This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We hit the field light! All night light! All night light! Here we go, here we go! Keep it all, keep it all, keep it all! This is the Cleveland Sports Beat Podcast with James Rapine and Daryl Ryder on 923thefan.com. What up and welcome into another edition of the Cleveland Sports Beat Podcast. We are your beat writers. I'm James Rapine. He is Daryl Ryder. It's great to be with you. Another week, another Browns loss. We're going to dissect it coming up on this podcast. We'll talk all things Browns. And uh, yeah, they're 2-5. and five. They're struggling. We will dive into it. But first, a quick reminder to subscribe to this podcast. You can do it on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, the Radio.com app, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you leave us a five-star review so more Cleveland sports fans can find this podcast. We certainly appreciate it. We're going to get to the Browns, our takeaways, and we'll answer some of your questions towards the end of the podcast. Talk about the trade deadline a little bit that's coming up. We're recording this on a Monday night. It's coming up tomorrow, so we'll talk about the deadline just a little bit because the Browns, well, they made a move just a few hours ago. We'll talk about the Jannard Avery deal as well. But, Daryl, let's start with yesterday. Let's start with Sunday because – we knew the moment the Browns lost to Seattle, they were staring down the barrel of two and five. The New England Patriots on the road. It doesn't help. It doesn't help at all. I and I don't think it helped the Browns one bit that the weather was what it was. I think it hurt them. I think that favored New England more. So you're dealing with all of these circumstances. Freddie Kitchens, the team, backs against the wall. You expect him to come out and play well. And the same things that have hurt them through and did hurt them through six games, hurt them in a seventh game. Turnovers, penalties, uh, bad or or lack of execution during critical stretches, including time management by the head coach. And suddenly we see that the end result, two and five. And naturally, if you do that against New England, you know you're going to lose. I think we all knew it was over the moment we they had a couple turnovers. I mean, once that happened, I think we all knew it was done and you're shrugging right now and I, I just it was almost a foregone conclusion that 2 and 5 was uh, among us here in Cleveland. Can't expect an imperfect team to play a perfect game. Uh I think that that's the first thing to keep in mind that this is an imperfect team. Um lack of attention to detail, lack of focus, lack of discipline and uh you add it all up and they're 2 and 5. Um when they lost to Seattle, I, listen, and I said this leading up to the game, it's not about hating on the Browns, it's just the reality. I had the Browns losing to the New England Patriots in April when the schedule came out, whether they were 6-0, and whether they were 4-2, and or 2-4. and I did not think that they were going to beat the New England Patriots. And you have to play perfect football. Uh, what's frustrating is that they did hang for three quarters with the Patriots. They outscored them 13-10. You can't take away the fumbles and the turnovers and the in 17 points. In the final points. three quarters. Right. You just you can't take that stuff away. It, it, you know the game's over. New England hadn't allowed more than fourteen points in a single game. So I guess sunny side up. Brown scored the second most points of any team this year against the Patriots, thirteen points. But it's not good enough. It it just does, doesn't get it done. Your head coach isn't good enough. Your quarterback's not good enough. 
your offensive line's not good enough. Your defense isn't good enough. Nobody's good enough right now. I thought the offensive line was fine. Uh, yeah, I thought I, it, I did. I thought, I, I thought they played well enough to get them and put them in position to win. I thought Baker through two and a half quarters was pretty good. Here's yeah. the problem. When you get down, and I get it, it's uncharacteristic of Nick Chubb to fumble. It sucks. One of them, you know, Batonio kicks the ball out. He wasn't ready for it, and then he gets the one knocked out from behind. I get it. By the by the way, that is the 1,762nd bizarre WTF just happened play I've seen since 1999. Ridiculous. <laughs> like, ridiculous, ridiculous fumbles. So the two fumbles happen. And then the, the interception, which is the dumbest— I still can't believe that play's called in that. I just don't like it. That number I just gave, plus one. Go yeah, ahead. Get, get get rid of that play, Freddie. First off, get get rid of that damn play. It is stupid. Like what? I'm gonna throw a shovel pass to Jarvis Landry and hope he has a crease. That's the last thing you need to do with Jarvis Landry. And the Patriots had seen that on film a couple of times. They obviously had it sniffed out. Oh my god! And and I get it. Baker shouldn't have thrown it, but it's such a bang bang play. Like it's just it's tough. Anyways, after all of that, after all of it, and it was what, 17-0? Yep. 17-0. You score. Game, by the way, 17-0, game over. Thanks for coming. Didn't need to be game over because you score. It's 17-7. Then the Patriots, Mike Nugent, thank you, Ohio State alum, misses the field goal. 17-7, you get the ball back. You get the ball starting the third quarter. This is your moment. Freddie, this is your moment. You, you've dealt with penalties. You've had turnovers. You're on the road. You're going against the undefeated and great Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. And you know what? You've been running down their throats all game. You know what you've been doing? You've really showed, you've imposed your will. That offensive line change, it had been working because you were able to run the ball. And guess what New England was trying to stop? The run. They weren't worried about Baker or OBJ against, they, you know what they were worried about? Stopping the run and they couldn't do it. So what you needed to do there is go get three. And oh, by the way, the Patriots entered the game as, I think, uh, number two in the league against the run. So they, so they were really good yep. stopping the run. And, they and Nick Chubb carved him up. Destroyed him. Shredded him. It looked great. It was just, it was awesome. It was a, a great way to give your defense rest after they had really battled their ass off. And you got yourself back in the game. You put yourself in a position to go into the half down one score. And conservative, Freddie? I just, I don't get it. He's so inconsistent. He's so emotional and fly by the seat of his pants. This is what we're going to do. Two weeks ago, it's ridiculous. And I had some people, I, I ripped him two weeks ago for the end of the half. Right. Because he's too aggressive. Well, you're up 11. And the last thing you need to do is give up a touch. Or that they were up eight at that point. They were going to be up 11 by kicking a field goal. They were up 20 to 12 against Seattle. So what, what did they do? They didn't play conservative. They kind of went for it too quick. If Freddie kept doubling down on, we're going to try to get the ball back again and score and score and score. And then this week, you do the exact opposite. Both were wrong. Yeah, I know. I thought he was always going to be an aggressive coach because that's who he is. When you're down 10, you have to force the damn issue. When you're up 8 with the ball on the 12-yard line, I like. I want to curse. It's completely different. Like, the situations are completely different, and that's the difference. If you go get points there, you have all the momentum, and you get the ball back, and you feel good about yourself, and instead, it takes you 60 seconds to run two plays to pick up a second and three. Nick Chubb ran for seven yards. It made it second and three, two-minute warning. You're in a great spot. 
60 seconds to run two plays. And then by uh, Baker's scrambling now in this no huddle. They only have one timeout because of a poor challenge by Freddie, by the way. Scrambling in this no huddle, and guess what? The Patriots' defensive line gets to him. Boom! Drive over, momentum, stopped, halted, done. These are the kinds of things that bother the hell out of me about Freddie Kitchens. You cannot get that wrong. Belichick wouldn't have got that wrong. And say what you want about the offensive line, but I swear, if you would have switched coaches, the Browns score three there. Mike Tomlin tonight on Monday night, he gets three there with Mason Rudolph as his quarterback. But somehow, this team can't get three? No. They should have gotten three. It was ridiculous. That that and, and I'll, I'll get into more, but I've been talking a lot, so I'll turn it over to you. That was such a ridiculous turn of events. He's botched the past two halves, and it cost them any shot of coming back against the Patriots, and it gave Seattle all the momentum going into halftime in a must-win game at home at First Energy Stadium two weeks ago. Oh, am, I, am, I, am I? I was gonna say, am I supposed to add to that? Like, I, I have no rebuttal. Everything you said is 100% on just the money. boggles my I, damn mind, Daryl. I, 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 it's not hard. If we're down 10, be aggressive. If we're up 10, slow the damn ball down a little bit so Russell Wilson doesn't get the ball to go score before halftime. I I, mean, I I said it with Bull and Fox. I'll say it again. I am convinced it's the water in Berea that just makes people stupid and makes people do really stupid stuff because a lot of really good football people have gone through that building and none of them seem to know what the hell they're doing. Uh uh, and Freddie appears to be the latest. Um, I don't like the fact that this team has the amount of talent that it does, and it is just so undisciplined, unfocused. They lack the attention to detail. Like Baker Mayfield talking about how he has to possibly not use cadence or as much cadence because it's messing with his own offensive line. What is that? Like, that is mm-hmm. a weapon for him. And so this team— he's a, a second-year quarterback. This he's team, a second-year quarterback. You cannot do that to him. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're going against New England. They're he, in he destroyed so Darnold. That Well, they destroyed Darnold last week. So guess what Baker doesn't need to worry about? New offensive linemen and cadences. All of that— I almost cussed again. All of that stuff should have been handled. It should have been done. It should have been simplified so every damn lineman knew how to do the cadence. Because you, 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 can't, you can't tie a second-year quarterback's arm behind his back and expect him to thrive against that defense. We keep talking about how great that defense is on the road in the rain. And they did. And they had turnovers. And they, had, and they still could have overcame it all. And you know why? Because they're that damn talented. And that's what's so frustrating about this. They're easily the most talented team in the division. And that includes the Ravens. And yet after tonight, they're going to be alone in third place in the division. In a game behind Pittsburgh. And three games behind Baltimore. It's it's ridiculous. And it's not all on Freddie. But a lot of it is on Freddie. And this team, as talented as it is, has not been able to overcome the clock management uh, Baker regressing to a certain degree, the the flaws on the offensive line, all of these things have, it, the, the strength of schedule, have resulted in two and five. Adversity. They're incapable of overcoming any adversity. That's what we're seeing with this team. You know, Freddie said going into the season, even John Dorsey, we're going to find out what type of football team we have when we get some adversity. And usually <laughs> when they have adversity, they've not responded. Mm-hmm. Or they have responded in a negative fashion. 
that's problematic. That tells me what type of team you have, and it's not a good team. That's why I'm not buying this. They're going to go on this magical second-half carpet ride into the playoffs. They're going to win six games. Deal with it, people. I'm warning you now. They're winning six, maybe seven. They're not winning 10. They ain't winning nine. They're not winning the AFC North, and they're not playing in January. They're probably looking for another coach in January. Those are the facts because this team is not focused. You know, as I was coming in uh, uh, from Berea downtown, James, uh, I had the member that from a, uh, any given Sunday, Al Pacino's in the locker room, mm-hmm. and he just goes on his tirade, spilling stuff over. You are not effing focused, and all I, I like that was on repeat in in my head, just the whole the whole car ride up. Sure, it's just you're not focused as a football team. And I, I tweeted this. I, you know, some people hated it, and I realized that it's a little sophomoric in baseball versus football, two different, all that. But you know, I really believe that facility in Berea is a Taj Mahal. Jimmy and D Haslam, J.W. Johnson, the ownership have done such a great job of making the players feel like home. Whatever they can do to make players comfortable, they do. Okay. The players' lounge is pimped out. If I were Freddie Kitchens, I'd walk into that players' lounge and take everything out and put it in storage. And I'd set up film booths all around the the the, the furniture in that in that room. Shuffleboard out, video games out, mm-hmm. uh, all of it. I clean it out. Mike Hargrove did it in the late '90s when he was managing the Indians. They used to have ping pong tables and card tables in the uh, in the Indians clubhouse. Sure, got rid of them. And the team was not playing well. They were going through a real bad stretch and committing mental errors and physical errors on the field. And Hargove, one day, just lost his you-know-what, took it all out. And you know what? Team got focused real fast, turned it around. Still never put the stuff back, but I really think that the players are uh, – it's a little too homey for the players. And I understand you got superstars and you want to take care of them and and that. I I, I get it. But – I think a message needs to be sent. We're, we're about football. Until we start winning, the toys go. We start winning, I'll put the toys back. But until then, you are not focused. So I'm taking all the distractions away from you. It sounds good. I know. It, it, and and, and, and no. again, I realize it sounds good. I realize it's sophomoric. It's no, high no, school. No. I get it's... what you're saying. Here's the problem. Can a head coach who, if I'm Odell Beckham Jr., I know. Or I'm Baker Mayfield, or I'm Nick Chubb, or I'm Miles Garrett, or I'm Denzel. Well, I look and I'm like, Freddie Kitchens has no idea what the hell he is doing. You're going to tell me that? If I'm OBJ, you're going to take away the, the, the player's lounge? Then I'm going to go to the media, which I've been a, a kind soldier. I've been very good soldier, OBJ has. But I'm going to go to the media and say how big of a clown you are. Because we were down by two possessions the entire game in New England. And I was in single coverage for most of the game against Gilmore. A guy that everyone loves and everyone's saying is great. But guess what? I beat him most of, most of the game. I beat him on short stuff. But guess what? You didn't give me the chance to make the big play downfield. You didn't give me the chance to make the big play downfield. And even though you got me in a rhythm. Time out. Even though you got me in a rhythm early in the game. Time out. I didn't get any second half targets. Time out. Freddie said he got seven targets. Seven. 
and he caught five of them. OBJ, you, OBJ looked like Cole Beasley yesterday. I know. He looked like Adam Humphreys, a Tennessee wide receiver, by the way. He used to play for Tampa. You had a white, quick, 5'11", slot wide receiver that isn't as explosive as Julian Edelman. You That's how rec- they used OBJ yesterday. You had a receiver yesterday have a ca- one catch for two yards. And I know race doesn't really have to do with it, but we know what we're talking about. Like the 5'11", white guy who's a slot wide receiver. It's such a stereotypical Patriots guy. That's how the Browns treated OBJ yesterday. A guy who can literally go up and get any ball, and he's in single coverage, and I know he's a big reason why Demetrius Harris had the touchdown because he did have the, he was double covered there, and he pulled the coverage his way. But good God, the next time they're on the 50-yard line, can I get a play action to Nick Chubb deep to OBJ? He has one touchdown, seven targets. If you're down by multiple possessions, Freddie Kitchens, guess how you score? You give the ball to LeBron, and you get the hell out of the way. OBJ is LeBron. If you can't use him, and honestly, if I'm John Dorsey, like there's a point where you're like, all right, is it Freddie that I'm going to stick with through these growing pains, or is it OBJ? Like there will be a point if this continues. OBJ will not be a good soldier all season, and he shouldn't. I would have already snapped. He's he's way too talented. You're talking about a top five person at his craft and a bigger star than anyone in the game, than anyone. He is more popular internationally than Tom Brady. Look at his social media. He's the biggest star in the NFL, and he's getting five receptions for 50-plus yards, one touchdown. His team is 2-5. and five. He's playing in Cleveland, and he's easily their best player. I know everyone loves Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb's getting touches, top five among running backs. OBJ isn't, and I like the way they used him early yesterday. They did not feature him downfield. If they're down by anything in any game, OBJ should be part of it. Agree? I'm not arguing with you. I, I, I keep ranting to it's just insane to me. How is Odell Beckham Jr. gonna don't, get please two, don't please don't ask me to explain what two, they're trying to do. Two downfield <laughs> targets. One goes off his arm fine. That was his first se- second half target, by the way. That was his first one. After the the two minute drill gaff where he had to get the third and three and die for it because they use him like a, a little slot wide receiver when they're, they're they're a dime a dozen. OBJ isn't. Anyways, so he picks that up, doesn't get another target till the ball glances off his arm. Fans lose their mind on Twitter. Oh my God, he always drops balls. And then he doesn't get targeted downfield till the game's basically over. Yep. Welcome to Cleveland Browns football. Nate Burleson said this uh, on CBS Sports Radio. I saw the quote before the game. By the way, all these guys are getting the full Cleveland Browns experience right now. And I didn't pull the audio, but I, I saw the quote on Twitter. And he was like, Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs popped off to the media about their lack of targets, their lack of usage. And since then, the Vikings have flipped the switch. They're 6-2. and two. Jarvis well, o- Landry. Odell, Odell Sunday night after the game did question why he didn't get to he, challenge it. Sure. He, and he said he, he, he would so have loved that. So it's percolating. It, it, and, and, and that's not the first time he's intimated something like that. I just Very feel like, subtle. Yeah, I, I feel like you're right. He's... He's been every, he's been the antithesis of what New York said we were getting with him, right? He was supposed to be this pain in the ass prima donna that is difficult to deal with, uh, has an abrasive personality, you know, whatever. All all these awful things that were said, and he's been anything but that with the Browns. Okay, I enjoy uh, our our media sessions with him. He's he's he's. In many ways, like LeBron, I know you mentioned as far as social media, thank you for stealing my bit. I've been saying that since the, the moment they traded for him. He is the LeBron of the National Football League. He is. Okay? He's the biggest star. 
He's I don't also think I stole your bit. He, he's he's also introspective. <laughs> he is very uh, thought provoking. You you have to listen to every word that comes out of his mouth because it matters. He's okay? been patient, right? Absolutely. Again, he's been everything, everything opposite of what they said about him in New York. Mm-hmm. Been fantastic, and I don't want to hear about the OT OTA crap. I don't I don't care. Okay. It's not mandatory. Doesn't have to be here. Don't have to be. Completely irrelevant. Keep going. Right. So I just think that Freddie Kitchens has a Porsche, but he doesn't know how to drive stick. I think that that's the only analogy that I can come up to kind of even talk my way through the problems. I that literally they're just said that someone today. That's so funny. He's, I, to Jonathan Peterlin, I, he was like, "Yeah, he has a Lamborghini. He doesn't know how to drive." I was like, "You're right." He has no idea how to drive a manual. He has none. He's like, I can't believe you used, used that because it's so true. Like, he figured out a way to use Brashad. I can't catch the ball, Perriman. Ask a Ravens fan that you know about Brashad Perriman. He couldn't catch the ball. Knew how to go to him deep last year. Found a way to get him the ball. We can't get Odell Beckham Jr. the ball downfield. If I'm Todd Munkin or I'm any of those guys, that's what I'd be saying in the meeting. If you guys don't find a way to get him the ball, they should all be fired. Or you I'm not. I'm not doing it anymore. Or you He's can't the get the best him, player on the team. You can't get him a, a ball in the post. You can't get him a ball in the flat. You can't it, get him a ball on a on a cross. You can't. You can't. You can't get him a, a ball on a bubble screen. You, they they can't get the They can't get OBJ the freaking ball. And I'm so I'm so distraught by this development that I've watched over the last seven weeks. I can barely talk. And and the thing that's crazy about it, and the thing I'd be totally fine with if it was. Oh, OBJ, his numbers aren't great, but, man, Landry's had 10 receptions the last three weeks. Oh, it's opened things up so much that this offense is just clicking. And all these guys, Antonio Callaway has got 10 receptions over the past two games and five touchdowns. Like, if it would open things up for other guys, that's fine. And I think Odell's fine with that. He celebrates with his teammates when they score. It did in Baltimore. Correct. And it did yesterday with the Demetrius Harris touchdown. By the way. The problem is, is when you're desperate, when it's crunch time, you got to go to your stars. In the fourth quarter, you're down 10. Throw him a jump ball. I don't give a damn who Stefan Gilmore is. I don't care if it's Deion Sanders. I don't care if it's Darrell Revis. I don't care if it's God. Make throw Odell in, go up and get one. Throw in the ball. Say, go catch it over Jesus. I'm not even, and I'm not trying to offend anyone religious. I'm just saying, like, who cares who's guarding him? At some point, you got to give him a shot. At some point, if I'm down three and I'm the Warriors, I want Steph Curry taking a shot. Can't score without the ball. Correct. It's just, you got to go through your stars. And the fact that today, Freddie Kitchens was like, oh, he had seven targets and he caught five of them. Here's, here's my thing. That's with- what kills me yeah. is because you, he can't admit like mistakes like that. The next day, and we, we're not going to talk much Cavs today, but the next day after the Cavs opener, when Kevin Love played a bunch of minutes but had like eight or nine shots, John Bielan was like, yeah, man, we got to get Kevin more shots. He admitted it right. We got to give him more more opportunities and less minutes. <laughs> and, and 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 guess what happened? Got him more opportunities, less minutes, and they and they, they beat and they beat. Uh, he he was a assist away from a triple double. They beat the Pacers. Yeah, who is expected to potentially be a playoff team? Absolutely, you're absolutely right. Here's what drives me mad when it comes to coaching. Okay, because you know, and I joke about this all the time, but it's true. Like these these coaches are very intelligent. Okay, no no one's saying Freddie Kitchens is stupid and is dumb or anything like that. They, th- these guys have forgotten more football than we'll ever know. The problem is, though, is if we can see stuff, if we can see stuff, they should be able to see it too. It's a problem if we can see stuff. 
that's basic and simple. And that's just what I get with Freddie. There, there's stuff that's happening where I'm just like, I know that. Why don't you? That's where I'm at. Yeah. So. Yeah. It, it's just, he's the type of, it, it just looks like a guy who just wasn't ready for this type of, this type of gig, these type of expectations, this type of role. It is too much. And you know what else is stupid about the NFL? All these guys trying to find the next Sean McVay, the innovative offensive mind that has to handle head coaching duties and call plays. Sometimes it's too much, NFL. And everyone tried to do it. And the Bengals have gotten burned. Uh, the, the Browns are clearly have gotten burned so far. It, it, really, it's worked. I guess Matt LaFleur in Green Bay. But you got Aaron freaking Rodgers, and you finally got some defense for him. Pretty simple. Like as as much as it's working, I think part of that's just a talent upgrade in Green. It's Bay. like an it's like on autopilot. That's right. He's he's Dale Ryder. I'm James Rapine. This is the Cleveland Sports Beat podcast. Up next, we're gonna get to a poll question that we put out on Twitter, and we're gonna get to our weekly mailbag. We'll talk about the trade deadline as well, which is less than 24 hours away as we record this. He's Dale Ryder. I'm James Rapine. This is the Cleveland Sports Beat podcast. Welcome back into the CSB. It's the Cleveland Sports Beat Podcast. I'm James Rapine. He's Daryl Ryder. Let's dive into this because this is something I tweeted out shortly before we started recording, Daryl. And it's pretty simple because everyone's going to be talking about Trent Williams up until the deadline. Trent Williams, Trent Williams, Trent Williams. Ian Rappaport reported today that he can be had. He is available. Washington has made him available via trade. So Brown's interested. You know John Dorsey's at least inquiring about the left tackle who hasn't played this season and is uh, under contract for the remainder of the season. So I'd, bet, I'd bet my house that the second-round pick that the uh, Washington Redskins were reportedly offered was from the Browns. I agree, too. I, th- I think that that's exactly where that came from. So here's the poll question. Because I, I think that that's – the Browns are like, hey, we'll give you a two. We're not giving you a one. That's it. You you said that on the podcast last week. Dorsey is not giving up a one. And he shouldn't right now because it's the sixth overall pick because the Browns have been trash. Thanks, Freddie. All right, so – it's basically, what deal would you rather have uh, done before tomorrow's deadline? I'm asking the people. A, is Trent Williams for a two and a four? Because I assume they might have to up the ante a little bit. They throw in a fourth. They acquired it. From, yeah, you got to throw in a sweetener. And, and they acquired a fourth in 2021 for the Gennard Avery deal, in the Gennard Avery deal earlier today. Cordy Glenn for the Duke pick, which is a conditional four, could be a three, if he's active for two more games. He was active yesterday, so he only needs to be active for two more games for that to become a third-round pick. Or stand pat, no moves. I could throw in a bunch of different guys in there that they could potentially trade to or vice versa. I don't think anyone wants to see a Richard Higgins deal. I think the majority of fans, so I think it was silly to put that out there. So those are the three. Right now, 50% of you want to trade for Cordy Glenn. 35%. How many burner accounts are you using to vote? Trent Williams. None, dude. I'm shocked at this. No, I know, but I'm shocked at this. Because I'm, I'll tell you right now, out of the two... Trent Williams, better player. Cordy Glenn, younger. Both have had injury issues. Glenn, under contract for next year at a reasonable rate. I think I lean Glenn. I really do. I think he's the Duke pick. I think anyone would have taken, hey, you're going to be able to get a left tackle that might be an upgrade for Duke Johnson. Well, and if you trade for him, he can play tomorrow, right? Tomorrow, He's been practicing. He's been practicing. Has, That's hasn't my point. Played Tra- this year Tra- because of the concussion. Trent Williams, you can't play tomorrow. Hasn't even been around a team. Can't yeah, play. Yeah, so, I, think, I think Glenn maybe limited snaps early on, but he could play. I'll be honest with you. Here's where I'm at with, with the whole trade deadline stuff. One player is not going to fix this mess. So I think you're wasting assets right now. Yeah. I, I, I'm serious. So if, you'd stand pat. You're if, in the, yeah, the 15% that right, would stand if, pat. 
unless it makes me better for next year. So Cordy Glenwood. Right. I just, there are too many problems, too many deficiencies, and it's not talent-related, okay? And I'm not saying that offensive line doesn't need to be addressed. That's that's not what I'm getting at. I'm just saying that where they're at right now and all these problems they have, making a trade tomorrow for a left tackle doesn't solve much, okay? Mm-hmm. It, it just, it doesn't. Um, so I'm leery of just throwing, throwing, it's like, Throwing money away. You know what I mean? Like, you just, you got a money pick going, you just keep throwing money at the problem, and it's still not going to solve, and you just keep throwing more money at it, hoping it'll get fixed. You know, same situation here with this team. You almost want to count your your losses and make sure you have what you still have in your wallet. Yeah, Yeah. I almost want to just say, you know what? If maybe I can, you know, Richard's in the doghouse right now, so if I can trade in his contracts up, you're not resigning him next year anyway, so if I can move him... For a mid to late round pick too, I do do it, okay, mm-hmm. and um, because that, I, because I think so you want them to sell. That's I, selling. No, 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 no. Yes. Be, no, here's that here's, is selling. Not selling because Richard Richard's in the doghouse. There's a trust issue with him all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fair. And Freddie alluded to that today. He did in his press conference. Okay, so if you got a player that you don't no longer necessarily trust, gotta go. Get, get something for him because he's walking away next year anyway. I get it. If you think, though, you're going to make a run, and we saw Landry on the turf, and he ended up being okay. You saw Landry on the turf. What did you think? Oh, they got Antonio Callaway. What do you No one about? ever thought that. No one trusts Antonio Callaway. You want to talk about trust? I, I, know, I know you're waking No one trusts Antonio Callaway. I really hate that you just crap all over my sarcasm. I'm not. I know. I get I'm just saying, if you think you're going to win this year, there's no way in hell I'm giving Rashard Higgins away for a six-round pick, even if he's drinking water on the sideline the rest of the year. Because I need depth. And it, it could get tested real quick here at some point, especially with the schedule well, they have. And They're going to Kitch- have to win five, six straight. Hey, listen, if Freddie, I know Freddie Kitchens don't know how to use OBJ, but he knew how to use Burchard Perryman, so they can go get Burchard Perryman. They 2.0. Yeah, right. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I, but but I, I get it. Look. You understand where it, I come from? Like, so and, I, and I'm fine with dealing Higgins to get another mid-round pick or a late-round pick if it makes you feel better about giving up assets for Williams. I would do it. Right. I would trade for Trent. I would prefer Glenn because he's under contract, but I would trade for Trent because I don't think you're going to find an offensive lineman of his stature next year for a second-round pick. And I I don't trust any GM in the NFL right now to draft an offensive lineman because no one knows how to do it anymore. Nobody. No GM does. It's not just Dorsey. It's a league-wide problem. They suck at drafting offensive linemen. Dorsey linemen. said it's the hardest position right now to find and, and catch it, and fix. It's 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 really hard. And I because there's not there's not a lot of talent that's available. It, and and the and the and good their talent coach is different, and you just don't know if they're going to be ready to perform at this level. The good talent that is available is currently employed and being used effectively. Yep. And so that's why I would trade it for Trent. So if I had to rank them, I'd go Cordy, Trent. And then if you're giving up these assets, then you, if you move Higgins, fine. The other guy I would be in on, because, again, I'm still operating like they can win eight, nine games and get in the play. And nine's going to get you in. The mm. AFC is trash. Look at the AFC. N- there will be a nine-win team in the playoffs this year. I'll bet you you want to bet money on it? Oh, we can right now. So the other guy I would make a call on, and, and I know— I don't gamble. You know this. Uh, the other guy I'd make a call on? Vic Beasley. If you could boost that pass rush, so if you got to sell Higgins, I mean, but, you, but you're you adding just... Cordy Glenn and you're adding Vic Beasley, you're adding in the trenches. I'm fine with it. But you, you know, you, if you sell Avery and you sell Higgins and you sold Corbett a couple weeks ago, 
but you're adding alignment. But so you're not in, really selling. Sides. You're you're getting cast off. You're you're getting rid of your cast offs. And I'm not saying Gennard Avery's a cast off, but for the purposes of this conversation and where the Browns are and how they treated him this year, mm-hmm. it's cast off. By the way, now by the what, way, what, what I happened forward, there? What happened? I, there? I, I look you forward know? to seeing Gennard Avery in the Pro Bowl soon. What happened there? People want to know. You're the reporter. I, I have to ask you that. What happened? Because Twitter loves him. The draft guys I like respect love him. He obviously performed last year. I don't think he was a fit with where they were at. They had a a fit. A, a, was not a fit. Um, they had an abundance of depth in their opinion uh, at his position. Dropping in coverage would be important if he was going to be like uh, you know one of the outside linebackers. Okay, and not he's not good in coverage. So if he's just a one trick guy right now as a young player, and that's just straight pass rush, snap and go. I can see where it's difficult to get that guy on the field on a regular basis. That being said, um, he showed a lot last year, and he's very cheap. Mm-hmm. And he could easily do what Olivier Vernon's been doing. Yeah, and that, that's the question, man. And that's the thing. I think it's easier to find pass rushers in the draft than it is offensive linemen. Yep. So that's the, the, the other thing here. But Dorsey didn't want to pay an offensive lineman you gave $15 up, million. Dollars. You gave up an offensive lineman that was elite. Or close to elite. And, no. and this idea, man, you they, they got to start valuing. You have to start valuing offensive line. So I, I remember think, warning people when the trade was made that it, it's risky giving up an interior lineman. No doubt about it. No one questioned him then. It was still that blind faith. Yep. And I, I said the same thing. We said it right here in this room. All right, so let's move it forward right before we get to the questions of the week. Um Deadline, you they'll you, do something. They already did something. They're going to do some more. That's we'll just what, we'll just sit back, wait, see what they do. Yeah, and that to me, it's important here because you want to talk about cadences and stuff like Trent Williams can pick that up quick. Cordy Glenn can pick that up quick. And if I'm Cordy Glenn, yeah, the, but the problem is the guys that are currently here can't. Yeah, we'll see. But but to me, I want a motivated guy that wants to prove others wrong. Both Cordy Glenn and Trent Williams have been doubted this year. So you are going to get a motivated player if you get either of those guys. I would try to go after both and see which one you prefer. I slightly prefer Cordy because of the contract situation, but I think they could keep Trent Williams long-term. All right. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm James Rapine. We do this every single week on the podcast. It is podcast. Podcast. What the heck is that? Put the Browns in a casket because they're done. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, on the Oh, po- you're going you're gonna to bury the Browns now, James? <laughs> Sorry. On the uh, on the podcast, did. use the hashtag AskCSB on Twitter, and we will get to your questions each and every week. Let's start with Nick. Nick says, "What's the final answer on who is responsible for lack of discipline and accountability? Can this change in a week for the turnaround to Denver?" Um, You're up, Daryl. <laughs> starts at the man at the top, head coach. Bottom line, it's where the buck stops. So, Freddie, and can they – well, they're going to beat Denver because Joe Flacco's not playing, and I think they were going to beat Denver even if Joe Flacco was playing. Uh, If they don't beat Denver – Freddie should be fired. Break out the pooper scooper. No, I'll (laughs) say it. It's over. If if they do not beat Denver against Brandon Allen, see you, Freddie. See you, Freddie. See see you, Freddie. I keep saluting. Todd Munkin. I'll take him. No, I'd promote Mike Prefer. You would? Yes. That's who you'd go with. Interesting. 
you wanted Freddie Kitchens too, so I can't listen to you. I can't listen to John Dorsey either. You know who'd be head coach? If I could make him head coach? Odell freaking Beckham! Because he'd, he'd draw up a couple deep plays, a couple streaks, and he'd get the best players the ball. Maybe Jarvis would get the ball in space once in a damn while. Next question. Um, by the way, I blame John Dorsey. He did not have the thorough hiring process that he should have. And everyone in the moment, and I get it, wanted it, – it's, it's almost like – in, and we're going to get to more questions. It's almost I, like, no, seriously, like the the person who's so desperate to fall in love he did and not, they finally go on a, f- a couple great dates, the seven or eight dates, oh, this is the one. It's not the one. And you got to keep dating. You weren't exclusive and you married them. You married Freddie Kitchens before you went on on some real dates. I think Should, Mike McCarthy would have known how to use the talent here. I, I think a veteran coach would have known how to use the talent here. Bruce here here's Arians. the problem. I just I don't Bruce like Arians. first year head coaches. I hate them. It's nothing personal. I just don't like them. It never works here. It's a Cleveland thing. What? Hire an experience. Hire someone that's done the damn job before. It's a lot to overcome. Right. It's a lot to overcome and for especially Baker. It's when, a lot to overcome for a head coach. And especially when you know you're trying to trade for Odell and you're going to have all these big personalities and the expectations and you have to win. Like, I, I realize that it's a crap deal for Freddie right now that we're just beating the hell out of him because he's not coaching well and it's his first time on the job and he's doing a little – he's going through growing pains as a coach and stuff like that. But, dude, that's the gig. I'm sorry, man. Like, you were hired to win. You're not winning. This is not a winning team. This is not a disciplined team. This is not a focused team. And that's on you. I'm sorry. That's on you. So I don't have patience for you to learn how to be a head coach, bro. Yeah, I'm with you. I just, I don't, I've watched crap football for 20 years. All right? Don't have time for this. Well, especially because they weren't constructed for that. Right. The team was built to win immediately. The whole point of this was for Dorsey to come in, turn this franchise on its ass, flip it over, and kick it in the ass and get it going. That was the whole point of this. And that's what Dorsey's tried to do. And so from my standpoint, has every move that Dorsey made worked out and been great and build him a statue? No. But he's done a sufficient job to provide the coaching staff with the tools to be victorious on a regular basis. The coaching staff is led by a guy who shouldn't be a head coach, though, Daryl. Next question. That's the problem. John Dorsey made the, the worst decision of them all, which is hire someone who's just not qualified. He's just not. I'm sorry. That's it. He should have been the OC. And by the way, I don't think anyone was banging the door down for Freddie to be an OC elsewhere. Maybe out of pride, he would have went elsewhere. I don't think he's getting a bunch of head uh, OC calls. I just don't. Maybe he was. I've heard he was. But I don't buy it. I really don't. I don't think he went on a bunch of OC interviews. Hey, you know, Greg Williams had all them coaching offers he could have taken in the offseason, you know. That's right. Let's keep it going. Tony the Chauffeur says, is there a game that would be a backbreaker and a potential firing this year for Kitchens? Lost to Cincy, Fins, Cards, Steelers? I'll say the Broncos. I'll say all the above. And, and I don't think Steelers, but I think Broncos. If you lose to the Broncos, how in the world do you bring him back that next week for a home game against Buffalo? I'm serious. With Steve Wilkes there or anybody. Anybody. I just, I don't know how you do it. You're counting. Right. I know. I'm just. I'm, I'm, I'm. Math isn't my strong suit without a calculator. So I'm just making sure I don't say something stupid. Uh, that would let's be see. four straight losses. That would be a month without a win. Yep. And then also, and, it, and that's what I'm like. 
in winnable game when you you had Seattle on the ropes. Uh, you people it, that think the Browns are going to rip off seven, eight, nine wins in a row. Get the F out of here. They this can. Franch- this, they can. No, this franchise hasn't won five in a row. They can because I, they're they're more talented than any team in the division. They can. I'm not saying they're going half to. They the te- can. Half the team wasn't born the last time the Browns won more than four games in a row. Half the t- Yeah. That's and fair. I'm not being sarcastic. That's fair. I, for once, I'm not being sarcastic. That, my friends, is a fact. Half the team wasn't born the last time the Browns won five games in a row, and even I now have to go back into the media guide and look up exactly when that is. Two things real quick before we get out of here. Those are the mailbag is questions. That, that's the it best for one. the mailbag? Yeah, for the most part. There were a couple in there that I, I didn't think were, were, were No were Frankie worthy. Lindor question for you? Were, were, no, I actually didn't throw it out there. I mean, there's no reason to buy and go into Frankie right okay. now. Hey, if you want more on Francisco Lindor and the Indians, I wrote about it at 923thefan.com. I'm looking at it right now. Um, so real quick. Two things. One, John Dorsey, if you said this, is probably going to get a second head coaching hire. I, yes, he will. Here's the problem. He needs Freddie Kitchens to succeed. He doesn't want to get to that stage of his GM tenure because you only get two. He's only going to get a second one. So if he could somehow have Freddie Kitchens turn this thing around, much like last year, but turn it around and get it to the playoffs, he's going to. So guess what? I guarantee you he's making a move. He's going to get – if Trent Williams can be had – He's going to get that done. Or if Cordy Glenn can be had, he's going to get that done. Because he really wants Freddie to turn it around. He just does. He wants this team to turn it around because guess what? He built it. He handpicked a lot of these guys. So there's one. Two, I'm going to ask you this every single week until the Browns stop struggling. What would their record be? They're 2-5. and five. What would it be with Hugh Jackson? You're not the first person to ask me this question. I've, I've asked you it on the podcast a couple times, and I'm asking no, you No, no, no. I mean today. I got asked this question twice today. Uh, you want me to give you the? Right, you want right, me to give you my record? Yeah, sure. Why not? Three and four. They would have uh, lost to New England. They would have beat Seattle. They would have beat the Jets, and, and they would have either beat the Ravens or beat the Titans. They'd I I'd buy that. Three and four. I, I'd buy three and four or four and three. And I would be fine with three and four right now. Again, Hugh Jackson's problem was Hugh Jackson. No, I know. I'm. This isn't me lobbying for you, Jackson. This, this isn't. This a, is a, an indictment of Freddie Kitchens. You want to know what, what the record is. would be if Eric Mangini was the coach of this team? Well, they'd be disciplined. I'll they, tell you that. They'd be five and two. Yeah, they'd be disciplined. They would be five and, and two. And they wouldn't have shot themselves in the foot in Foxborough. They would be Eric, five and two. Eric Mangini never has coached a team. Yeah, this, but, this, keeping with the former Browns coach theme, you know what they'd be uh, under uh, Romeo Cornell? What? Probably four and three. Interesting. Maybe three and four. Hey, Romeo won ten games. What about Mike Pettin? Mike Pettin, I same Adam area. Seven three, and four. Three, three and four, four and three. Yes. And that, God, that's it. What would they be? One more, because I've gotten a couple of these. What would they be with your guy? And he has He wasn't the head coach. He was the interim. Greggy Williams. I still think they'd be three and four. Yeah, There's probably. no way they're worse than three and four. They're yeah, too good. Yeah, yeah, probably. Like you could, you could be like, hey. What if Daryl Ryder's the coach? And I'd be like, eh. oh, they'd be winless. They, they would. Be, they would have beat the Jets. <laughs> I don't know, man. They'd probably have two wins. I'd say two. I'd say two and five. So it wouldn't be pompous if I said I could go out there and do that, Freddie? Do what Freddie's doing? Hey, Freddie, I could go out there and go two and five. Dude, I... I'm kidding. No, I... I probably couldn't. I don't think I could be a head coach. I think I'd be a pretty good football GM. There's my confession. I'm, I mean, I'm dead serious I, about I'll that. say this. I, I think I could have been a better GM than about eight of the guys that the Browns have had since 1999. Yeah. And, and listen, that's not me patting myself on the back. <laughs> yeah. that's i i'm not tooting my own horn I, that's how bad it's been but 
you know, um, they, 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 when, when Freddie has to come out and say that I'm counting on my players to get their stuff together, like he did Monday, uh, day after the game, that, uh, that, that's not, doesn't exactly give me the warm and fuzzies about where this team is headed. Must and, win this week in Denver. I didn't mean to cut you off. You good? Yeah, I'm good. He's, he's Daryl Ryder. I'm James Rapine. Thank you so much for listening. As always, a quick reminder to subscribe. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, including the Radio.com app. Make sure you get your questions in on Twitter with the hashtag AskCSB. We will be back maybe later this week if there's a huge trade. If not, next week, hopefully following a win for the first time in a damn month. Um, until then, you can tweet us at RightOrWrongFan, at James Rapine, and make sure you check out all of our work at 923thefan.com on the Browns, trade deadline, Indians' latest rumors, the Cavs, and so much more on the website, 923thefan.com. You have something? Leave us a, leave us a review. Yeah, five Greatest stars. Five stars. Five stars. Do it. Until next week. He's Dale Ryder. I'm James Rapine. This is the Cleveland Sports Beat Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.